Good evening, everyone, and welcome once again to If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and I am flying solo tonight for the first time in quite some time, as Mark Brew is once again out doing some horseman business, and that's okay. It's perfectly fine. We know that Mark needs his time to do some things and get some stuff uh, fixed up for us here on the show. I wish him the very best, and we will see him back here next week. As for this week, though, the show must go on. And what we've got for you here is some quick hits and some show reviews on NXT, AEW Dynamite, and AEW Rampage. And I'll be talking about Monday Night Raw and SmackDown just a bit, as well as WWE Day 1 just a bit. We won't be going too into detail about those three shows, but just letting you know what I liked about them so that I don't sound like such a sourpuss on modern product wrestling. (laughs) So. Go ahead and crack open your favorite frosty beverage and join me as I sit here and spew my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. Quick hit number one, the road dog Jesse James and William Regal, along with a laundry list of others, are released from WWE and NXT. A lot of people are saying that this is Nick Khan's way of getting rid of the rest of the Triple H regime in NXT and fully going forward with NXT 2.0, not just on Tuesday nights, but in the backstage capacity as well. And what I have to say to that is, if that was the final step that Nick Khan needed to take full control away from Triple H, then that's what needed to be done. Um... As I said, this is full control away from Triple H, not from Vince McMahon. Uh, Nick Khan has now become the right-hand man to Vincent Kennedy McMahon Jr. Um, And I guess he needed to push Triple H away as far as possible. Um, So with Road Dogg gone, William Regal gone, and everyone else on that list having to do with something backstage in NXT, uh, Scotty Too Hottie leaving a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, you know, so many other names like Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole not renewing their contract. Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole are already in, in, in AEW. Um, NXT, is, of course, is not the same anymore. It is NXT 2.0, the paint splotch brand, because it used to be the black and gold brand, but now it is just this giant paint splotch. Road Dog is not the biggest hit, in my opinion, because the Road Dog was strictly there as a, a producer. William Regal, on the other hand, someone I am very fond of, an incredible wrestler. I've watched his career since the day he debuted in WCW. I watched him come into the WWF the first time and then come back. He did a really classy job of saying his goodbyes, uh, thanking the WWE, and I do hope that William lands on his feet maybe with a job in the NWA, or even Impact Wrestling. Um, Others have said that, you know, he should go to AEW and give Vince McMahon the middle finger. I don't know if AEW is a place for him. They've got so many people there, they don't know what to do with. So I just hope that William, if he chooses to stay in the wrestling business, goes somewhere that will appreciate him. Number two on the list, AJ Styles has re-signed 
with the WWE for a long-term contract. Now, long-term with WWE means one of two contracts, either three or five years. <clears throat> so it is safe to say that the phenomenal one is um, going to go ahead and finish up his career in uh, the WWE. AJ Styles is already in his 40s, and I can't imagine that he is looking to go into his 50s, although with the likes of Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair, you never really can tell in this business business who's going to retire and walk away gracefully and who's going to stick around and overstay their welcome. Whatever the case may be, AJ Styles is in a feud with NXT 2.0 star Grayson Waller, who I've talked about my disdain for on many occasions, and AJ has broken away from Omos, so it's a wonder. We're going to have to wait and see uh, if the phenomenal one as a single star will begin to make his comeback, or if AJ is going to spend this next year possibly putting over the new crop of uh, stars in NXT and a couple of the new guys that are over in uh, WWE as well. Um, whatever the case may be, I'm happy AJ has re-signed because, let's face it, he doesn't want to go back to Impact. He was there when it was TNA. Um, yes, Dixie Carter isn't there anymore, and there's no longer a bad taste in his mouth from there because she's gone, but it wouldn't be a good fit for him. AEW, he's got a lot of friends there. I'm sure that they would push him to the moon, but in all actuality, he'd probably get stuck in a feud that would be a power struggle for the Bullet Club uh, with uh, Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, and everyone else that's there. So, I wish um, AJ Styles the best during the rest of his WWE career, and I hope that we see another phenomenal world title run out of him. Final quick hit of the evening, Mickey James, <coughs> the Impact Women's Knockout Champion, NWA star, and a woman who has been quite a few wrestling organizations over the last few months since being fired by the WWE, will be in the WWE Women's Royal Rumble this month on January 29th. Uh, this was announced on SmackDown by Charlotte Flair. And let me tell you, no one is more mind-blown than I am because Mickey James made such a big deal about the black plastic garbage bag, which her stuff was returned to her in. She said that the WWE constantly shunned her ideas, told her that they would not be doing another woman's pay-per-view anytime soon, would not let her run with the women's division and do what she wanted in order to promote other wrestlers and whatnot. She was just so boisterous, and then she went to the NWA. She made that women's only pay-per-view, which was good. I will not sit here and lie to you and say, oh, it was a crock of shit. No, it was actually a very good uh, women's pay-per-view. Uh, Camille, like uh, Chelsea Green, other great stars coming up and other great prominent stars that have already been here did battle on that women's only pay-per-view. And Mickey has been doing a lot of wonderful things in Impact, uh, matches with uh, the Madison Rain, Deanna Perrazzo, and many others. So um, I'm, I'm not in any way debunking Mickey uh, for what she's done outside of the WWE. What I do not understand is her whole going back. Whether it's a one-off for the uh, Royal Rumble or not, I understand the big commotion really is WWE is opening the forbidden door and allowing someone from another company with another title to walk through their company and come to the Royal Rumble. One 
you know, one and a half months away from WrestleMania. Uh, and that's a big thing, yes. It's WWE is going to get involved in the whole Forbidden Door thing. Then this is the time to do it by all means. Um, but they better have somebody else big planned for the men's uh, side of the Royal Rumble as well. Uh, because, and this is, again, is not a deep, not me debunking Mickey James. Just to have her, though, is not going to make that groundbreaking experience that they're expecting. You look at the list of other women who are going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, uh, the Bella Twins, and Lita. Well, uh, you add in Trish Stratus to that, and it's exactly who was in the Women's Royal Rumble last year. Uh, a surprise guest, and ex exactly who was in the first year. Um, so this is nothing new. Uh, Mickey James is the only one that's going to come off as a shock. But again, I don't think it's going to make as much shock and awe as they think unless they add a ma man to the men's Royal Rumble and have it be somebody coming in through the Forbidden Door as well. Possibly Nick Aldis, her husband. Possibly somebody from Impact, uh, like a Christopher Daniels or a, a Moose. Whoever it is, I hope it's somebody big. And this is just the beginning of something huge for another wrestling boom. So... <laughs> Moving on, uh, I thought that the WWE Day 1 pay-per-view was a decent show. Um, Brock Lesnar having to switch gears and go on to battle in the uh, four-way, turning into a five-way match for the WWE World Heavyweight title was good. I thought that was a nice on-the-fly move by the WWE. Uh, Brock becoming the champion was a little bit of a shock. I understand that he always has a title reign in his contracts when he resigns, but little shitty to cut Big E's title reign that short, especially when he lost 80% of his matches and only defended the title a couple of times in his title reign. Uh, they did the same thing to Kofi Kingston during his title reign. It really makes you wonder if Brock has got it out for the New Day. Uh, but in any indication, seeing Brock win the title was definitely some shock value. Uh, Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan delivered an incredible women's match, which Becky Lynch won. Um, the Usos and the New Day delivered in a tag team spectacular, as they always do. But now you have to question who else is out there on the SmackDown side of the tag team division to challenge for the gold. Um, the pay-per-view up and down was good. I give it a solid seven and a half out of eight. Uh, seven and a half, eight out of ten is what I should say. Um, and it was definitely a, a decent show. Monday Night Raw, on the other hand, Brock Lesnar returned. He has Paul Heyman with him, which was fantastic. Ran down all of the people that he wrestled the night before on day one. And he mentioned a fatal four-way happening for the number one contender to his title for the Royal Rumble. He mentioned that he would go through Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. Let's face it, Brock is already going through them. Okay. And he mentioned that he could go through Big E as well, but he has respect for Big E and would, by all means, love to be in the ring with him. This was, of course, Paul Heyman saying all these things um, as his advocate. And then he mentioned Bobby Lashley. Uh, Bobby Lashley was, again, had respect put on his name. And Paul Heyman said that if the two of them did come down to the match at the Royal Rumble, that Brock would be ready. Well, we got to the fatal four-way. The opening uh, opening promo with Brock and Heyman was fantastic. 
The rest of the show was kind of muddled with AJ Styles getting destroyed by Omos and another uh, American Alpha taking on RK Bro, which was a good tag match. Uh, American Alpha got the non-title win. And then we go to the Fatal 4-Way, which I thought was the only real shining spot of this whole show, except for the opening promo. Um, all four men did a fantastic job. I'm assuming it was the match they would have had at day one the night before, had Brock not been added. And uh, in my opinion, we got the match that we were supposed to get out of that Fatal 4-Way. Um, we got Bobby Lashley defeating Big E, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens. And Bobby Lashley will now take on Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. And that is just two bulls, two MMA fighters, MMA champions, who are both former World Heavyweight Champions. Brock is a multi-time Universal and World Heavyweight Champion, nine times, I believe, now. Bobby Lashley is a former World Heavyweight Champion and a former ECW champion as well. So this is going to be a fantastic matchup, in my opinion. Um, Vince loves to see big guys go at it in the ring. So I hope this makes Vince pr happy and proud. But the fans wanted to. So for the first time, we can say we agree with you, Vince. This is the right move. I will say this, though. This should be the main event for the Royal Rumble. This should not be overtaken by Roman Reigns and whoever he's defending the title against, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, this should not be the first match on the card. This should not be in the middle. Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley should main event the Royal Rumble, in my opinion. So, moving on to NXT, and it was a big show for them because it was NXT's New Year's Evil show. Uh, we open up with Carmelo Hayes versus Roderick Strong in a title versus title match. Hayes putting up his North American title. Roderick Strong putting up his NXT Cruiserweight title. And one of those belts will cease to exist. But what we are told by the ring announcer is the champion moving forward will be the new NXT North American champion. So the Cruiserweight title is out. We talked about this for the last few weeks with Mark and myself and everything that went on with Joe Gacy. Cruiserweight title is no more. Here we go. This was an incredible opening match. Technically sound and showcased both guys throughout. Strong proved why he's been such a great Cruiserweight champion and took Carmelo to his limits. Hayes countered Strong uh, and even got away from him during his finisher and hit a top rope suplex, which looked scary. The reversal on that suplex that Strong tried to do, Hayes came out of it and I believe hit a neckbreaker. Got a two count. Both guys looked like they were badly hurt, but thank God they were not. Hayes then went to the top and hit his top rope leg drop, picking up the win in 23 minutes. Your winner, and now fully united, unified, NXT North American champion Carmelo Hayes. I have been hot on Carmelo Hayes since the day he debuted. I believe he had his opening match against Adam Cole. And he did a fantastic job, even though Cole won. The following week, he had a matchup with P. Dunn. He did a fantastic job again. Dunn may have won, but Hayes was leaving his mark. And now, with NXT 2.0, Carmelo Hayes has won the NXT Breakout Star Tournament. He's become the North American champion. He's unified it with the Cruiserweight champion. Big things on the horizon for this young man. 
I like what they're doing with Carmelo Hayes. Uh, we then see Braun Breaker arriving, and we see NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa welcome the arriving AJ Styles. They exchange pleasantries, and Styles goes to the ring. Styles tells the NXT crowd he wishes he came through next. Uh, and he came through NXT and didn't go straight to the main roster because, as we all know, AJ debuted at the Royal Rumble a few years back. He did not go through the NXT system. He and the Good Brothers both stepped up into the main roster immediately. <coughs> he gets interrupted by Grayson Waller, obviously. And two go back and forth, and a match is made for next week's main event. Styles leaves Waller laying in a good segment. Uh, great way to put over your big star. Great way to make a new star out of Walling. Uh, Waller. Excuse me. And uh, in my opinion, uh, AJ Styles might be able to keep this kid on a leash as far as his talking and wrestling ability goes. And we might actually get a pretty damn good feud out of both of them. Uh, Pete Dunne then sends a message to Tony D'Angelo. Uh, and also backstage, the NXT women have a bit of an argument about who's going to be the next NXT women's champion, the tag team champion. The best here, Dunn did his, his great, you know, his absolute best and greatest to put Tony D'Angelo over for breaking his hand. But it's Pete Dunn. He's, he looks like a monster whenever he talks, so he's going to come off as a badass. And the women just were just all over the place. Um, and I, I, whatever happens, happens. But I don't think they're taking the belts away from Toxic Attraction anytime soon. Speaking of tag team matches, we get Imperium. Walter, Marcel, and Fabian taking on MSK and Matt Riddle. This was meant to be a match to highlight Walter and Riddle's returns to NXT. But MSK and Imperium definitely got in some great shots. Marcel and Fabian worked well, like a well-known unit, and hit a sick double suplex on Riddle. MSK and Riddle hit a three-man suplex, to the, uh, three-man splash to the floor on all three members of Imperium. And in the end, we saw the RKO by Riddle to get the win at the 17-minute mark. Another great match from NXT here. Now, um, before anybody says it while listening, this is not me once again gushing over NXT. Uh, this is one of their big shows. It's like a pay-per-view on paid television, you know, on free TV on USA Network. So I don't foresee this happening every week, but it's good to see that NXT can still put forth a good effort with the talent that they have now, and it's not just a bunch of muddled-together two-minute matches. Mackenzie then interviews Joe Gacy and Harlan. Gacy has gotten even creepier, and it's working, and Harlan is an absolute monster. We then see Mandy Rose arriving on a helicopter. Apparently, she's biting Charlotte Flair's style from WrestleMania a couple of years back. Jade, Gonzalez, and Mandy Rose come to the ring for the triple threat uh, women's title match. And this was a paint-by-numbers triple threat match. And that's not a knock at this match in any way. Rose was thrown to the outside of the ring. And we got Jade and Gonzalez for a couple of minutes going back and forth. Then Rose came in and Gonzalez was knocked to the outside, vice versa, back and forth uh, throughout the match. For 13, women, uh, 13 minutes, each woman uh, threw what she had at the other two. But it was Mandy Rose who got the win and retained her title. Good women's match. Not great, but good. <laughs> There's one thing I will say about NXT is that they were able to retain Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai, um, Gigi Dolan, uh, JC Jane. Cora Jade is an incredible add to their list. Um, and, you know, Mandy Rose coming to the uh, company 
uh, leading the main roster and coming to NXT was fantastic. So the women's division is safe because you've still got women like Io Shirai and uh, Kaylee Ray on the uh, roster as well. So it's not a bad thing. The women are still going strong. Creed Brothers poke fun at MSK and the two youngsters slam back saying they'll see them in the Dusty Classic, which is apparently going to be starting in a couple weeks. This is followed by Andre Chase paying homage to his student who saved him last week from Harlan on NXT. Von Wagner interrupts, and we've got our first clusterfuck of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Wagner again cuts a very incoherent promo and then takes out Andre Chase. Takes a couple of fans out as well. <coughs> In my opinion, this was bad. And I mean really bad. <coughs> Von Wagner needs a mouthpiece. I hope it's Robert Stone because he's just pretty much sitting backstage and fuming. Um, Andre Chase, God bless him. I can get over the fact that he's playing a school teacher. <laughs> but he's a punching bag for everybody. And even when he does pick up a win, it's usually on 205 Live, so it's not really anything that great. These uh, guys like this should be left, should be kept away from each other and be made to put over the younger talent who they want to get over, not be made to be put into bad promos like this. We get a good promo from Cameron Grimes, and he says it's time for him to stop chasing green, start chasing gold, I'm all for it, and then it's time for our main event. Braun Breaker taking on Tommaso Ciampa. This was an absolute war from the minute the bell sounded. Ciampa proved just how sadistic he could be with his knee strikes and moveset. Breaker kept coming back with more intensity and raw power. Breaker hit a power slam, but Ciampa kicked out. Breaker kicked out of the fairy tale ending, and then he went deep inside and pulled out a second-row bulldog like his daddy, Rick, and then went for the Steiner recliner like his Uncle Scotty, and Tommaso Ciampa had no choice but at the 17-minute mark to tap out. Braun Breaker wins and is our new NXT champion. Incredible ending to a great show, in my opinion. <coughs> the only rough spot was the Andre Chase and Von Wagner little intermediate meeting there that went on. Every match was solid, though, at least 17 to over 20 minutes long. I enjoyed it, and I'm giving NXT... New Year's Evil, a 4.5 out of 5. So roughly a B uh, an A minus to an A. Great show. I hope it stays like this, but it might not. So don't expect me to always be this fun and jovial when it comes to NXT as the weeks go on. AEW Dynamite is next, and I was there live. Myself and my son John went to AEW in Newark at the uh, Presidential Center. My wife got us tickets for... Uh, Christmas, and uh, we were there live in a person for AEW Dynamite, AEW Dark, Elevation, and AEW Rampage. So, this is from me being there live. Opening match, Adam Page defending the World Heavyweight title against Daniel Bra uh, Brian Danielson, excuse me. Still used to calling him Brian da uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, the judges on the outside, as we knew there would be judges for this matchup, for the last couple of weeks. Mark Henry, Jerry Lynn, and Big Show. I'm not mad at the judges that they picked, but I think there were either better people on the roster, such as Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, uh, or maybe going outside of the roster and bringing in guys who could have lended a little more, I don't want to say star power, but legend power, Hall of Famers. Uh, it just seems to me that 
with guys not on any roster like Ric Flair, Bret Hart, you know what I mean? Why you would go with three guys who we could see every week, it just didn't make any sense. In any case, incredible opening match. Better than their first, and seeing it live made it even better, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Brian was ruthless with his headbutts, chops. Page wouldn't quit, though. Both men get busted open. Top rope fallaway slam was sickening to see, and both men deserved the round of applause that they got. They battled back and forth with right hands, chops, headbutts, and suplexes galore for a 33-minute masterpiece. Page finally hit the buckshot lariat, picked up a huge win, and the crowd went wild. When I say went wild, imagine like when Bret Hart first stepped back into a WWE ring uh, all those years ago on Monday Night Raw. These fans were in an uproar in Newark, as, was, as well as myself. Adam Page deserves to be the World Heavyweight Champion for quite some time. Brian Danielson deserves to be in the race for the World Heavyweight title as long as he wants to be. And these two men proved how you open a show, um, you know, that is not something special, but just a actual Wednesday night show. This was a little bit something special, though. It was the move to TBS. <coughs> we then go to the acclaimed who cut a promo on Sting and Darby Allen. They say that they will make a rap video against the Sting and Darby Allen next week. And this could lead to a great match. I mean, we saw what Darby Allen did against uh, the member of the Acclaimed last week. It'd be interesting to see how Sting and Darby can put up with the Acclaimed in tag team action. MJF is now supposed to take on Sean Dean. Before the match could start, though, CM Punk hit the ring, chased off MJF, and then got MJF disqualified by hitting a go-to-sleep on Sean Dean. This means that for the beginning of 2022, MJF is 0-1. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He lost to Sean Dean, so he no longer has a undefeated record. And with the slate being cleaned at the beginning of the year, MJF has now got a loss. Uh, both men then cut promos on one another. Punk wants MJF one-on-one. MJF thinks that Punk doesn't like that he calls uh, MJF thinks that Punk doesn't like that MJF calls himself Roddy Roddy Piper because he wants to be Roddy Roddy Piper, but that Punk should remember that at least Piper was good enough to main event a WrestleMania. <coughs> Punk then delivers the knockout line, tells MJF if he thinks that the grass is greener on the other side to go ahead, leave and go to the WWE. Main event night two of the four-night buy-one-get-one-free spectacular that is now WrestleMania. And then he'll be fired faster than he can ever get over. And when he comes back to AEW, the ass-whooping that Punk plans to give him will be waiting for him. That went over big with the crowd. Uh, MJF finally agrees to a match and says that next week, CM Punk will take on Wardlow. Now, that's not a bad thing because Wardlow has slowly became a beast in NXT and uh, MJF is going to use him as such. So, in my opinion, more power to him. Use your monster that you brought with you. Chris Jericho cuts a promo on 2.0 next. Gets interrupted by them and Daniel Garcia, sneak attack style. Ortiz, Santana, and Kingston make the save and the storyline progresses. 
Ortiz and Santana checked on Chris Jericho after everything was done. Kingston looked at Jericho, brushed him off, and walked out of the ring. And I kind of hope that this is leading to Jericho and Kingston down the line, or at least the two of them teaming together. Wardlow then defeated a jobber in two minutes after five power bombs. Another good squash match. Good to see him continue his squashes leading into his match with uh, CM Punk next week. And then we go to Jade taking on Ruby Soho in a match to crown the first TBS Women's Champion. This match started off as a great back-and-forth match. Soho used her speed, and Jade used her size. Mercedes Martinez attempted to get involved, but Thunder Rosa stopped her and chased her off. The second half of this match got a little sloppy, and both women were keep, keep trying to keep pace but finding it hard. At the 12-minute mark, Jade hit a glam slam from the second rope, which looked very dangerous, like she could have broken Ruby Soho's leg with the landing. But she gets the win. Decent but not great match. And your winner and new TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Now, I don't want to say that I was rooting against Jade. Uh, I like Ruby Soho. I think she's a fantastic wrestler. I think she's great for the company. But I understand AEW not wanting to put titles on wrestlers who have just come in from other companies, keeping it on their homegrown stars. You look at the list of champions at this point, and it's Pentagon and Phoenix, the Lucha Bros, who have only been in AEW and not the WWE. They've been in Mexico, they've been in Impact, but they have never been in WWE. That's the tag team champions. The women's champion, or TNT, uh, the women's champion is Britt Baker, never been in WWE. Yes, she flirted with the um, Mae Young Classic, but never actually was in the WWE. TNT champion, maybe Cody Rhodes, but as we know, Cody is a founder of AEW, so really can't say Cody has just got out of the WWE. He's been gone for like five and a half years. Uh, and the World Heavyweight Champion is Adam Page, who, again, has never been in WWE. So putting the belt on Jade Cargill here, not the worst move. I just hope that she tightens up and stops risking people's lives with the moves that she does. We then go to Brian Pillman Jr. taking on Aleister Black, or excuse me, Malachi Black. And Pillman gave Black his hardest-fought fight to date, in my opinion, uh, without his name being Cody Rhodes. Uh, he kept coming back, but Black had another kick in the chamber every time. Black hit his spinning heel kick and got the win in six minutes. He then teased going after Julia Hart in the post-match, but the Lucha Bros made the save, and I can't wait to see where this is going, because if the rumors are true that Brody King is coming in uh, and going to join the House of Black, then uh, we could see the Lucha Bros possibly defending the tag team titles against the House of Black very soon um, in AEW. <coughs> Britt Baker and company then beat down Ruby Soho, but Riho came in and made the save. This sets up a tag team match for AEW Rampage, uh, which we'll be talking about in just a minute. And now it's time for our main event, the Lucha Bros taking on Jurassic Express. Uh, the main event did not disappoint in any way. Lucha Bros kept an early advantage, holding on to the match with innovative tag team offense. Jungle Boy made a comeback and a hot tag to Luchasaurus. The big man hit a choke slam, but the Lucha Bros came back. 
Back and forth went both teams, but Luchasaurus hit another choke slam on Phoenix through a table, which we all thought led to Phoenix breaking his arm. Thank God it was just a dislocation of his elbow, and he will be okay in a couple of weeks. Um, and then Jungle Boy hooked a roll up and got the win. One, two, three. Your winners and new tag team champions of the world, Jurassic Express. And when I tell you that the entire crowd lit up like a Christmas tree, I mean it. These fans were cheering for Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Christian came in with the belts, gave them both a hug, gave them their titles. It was a great main event, and I can't say enough about it, in my opinion. It was absolutely great. Uh, an incredible moment to see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus get their first piece of gold. And I am going to once again give uh, AEW Dynamite a 4.5 out of 5. Again, an A uh, grade uh, for looking at it from that point of view. Uh, the only really soft spot, in my opinion, was the back end of the Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho match. Um, but both women at least did what they were supposed to do. So, almost absolutely perfect, in my opinion, but not quite. And now we come to AEW Rampage. And our opening match is Adam Cole taking on Jake Atlas, who used to be in, a in NXT. Great back-and-forth match that saw Jake Atlas impressed throughout. He shows innovative offense that I didn't see during his time in NXT. Cole proved he was a veteran and got the win in 13 minutes with a submission. Good opening match. Post-match, uh, Cole, Fish, and O'Reilly looked to go and beat down Jake Atlas some more, but the best friends and Orange Cassidy make the save, chasing away the heels. Uh, we then get Aaron Solo taking on Hook. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to realize something. I never thought that I would say this, but Hook is over like Rover. Um, this young man, the crowd get on their feet and chant when this man's music hits. The son of Taz is more over than 40% of the roster. Uh, the pop that he got was unbelievable. He beat Solo in a one-sided matchup in just under six minutes. Good match, mostly though because of how much the crowd was on the side of Hook. After the match, QT Marshall, who was his former trainer in the American Nightmare Family uh, factory, uh, got in his face, so he decided to hit him with a head and arm uh, suplex. Nicely done. Riho and, Subiho, Riho and Ruby Soho then take on Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Ruby and Rio got the uh, early upper hand and kept the ring cut off from Hayter, but Jamie got loose and made the tag to Britt. Doctor beat down Ruby and then turned to beat on Riho. Uh, Hayter accidentally hit Britt. Riho rolled her up and got the win in just over 10 minutes. Good women's tag team matchup here. Uh, progressing storyline of Ruby and Britt's past problems. Uh, Riho was about to get a shot at the Battle of the Belts, which was this Saturday, uh, at Brit, so that again furthers that. And then the uh, problems that Brit and Jamie have had, so it, it's leading us to a lot that's going on there. And then we go to our main event. It's going to be Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz taking on 2.0 and Daniel Garcia in a Falls Count Anywhere street fight. Mark Henry goes to do his normal split-screen interview before the show starts, but as 2.0 are talking, uh, Kingston, Santana, Ortiz walk away from their screen and go ahead and beat the hell out of 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. 
So the brawl began backstage and then spilled out to the arena. There was plenty of weapons action here. <coughs> Kingston took a triple suplex through the announcer's table at one point, but King Santana Ortiz got the win in 13 minutes after the match. 2.0 Garcia attacked the baby faces until Chris Jericho, who was on con commentary, left the commentary table and made the save. <coughs> now, good show. Again, great be there being live, seeing it all as it unfolded. I give AEW Rampage a 4 out of 5 here. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Solid 4 out of 5. Uh, so a B plus. Why? Well, here's why. A show like this, where it's just match after match after match, you kind of expect an interview every now and then. Why? So you can calm down and get off the high of what just happened and level out and get ready to pop again. <coughs> Rampage this week did not have that. It was just match after match. And when they did try to finally have that interview, Kingston, Ortiz, and Santana decided, no, we're not letting that happen. But still a very solid show. Battle of the Belts was then Saturday, and we know what happened on there. But if we didn't, I will cover it next week. I do promise that. But as a quick result, uh, Britt Baker kept the world the women's title by beating uh, Rio. Uh, we have a new interim TNT champion. Um, in Zami Guevara, who defeated uh, Dustin Rhodes. Apparently, Cody Rhodes is either injured or has COVID, was not going to be able to be there. So instead of him not defending the title against Sammy, they did this whole interim thing. I don't understand it because if Cody is able to come back in two weeks, then the TBS title would be well under the 30-day period of when it has to be defended. <laughs> it just seems to me that AEW jumped the gun and now has two TNT champions, so I think we're going to end up having a ladder match between Sammy and Cody. Um, and then the other big AEW title match that happened that night uh, from this past Saturday, um, Ricky Starks retained the FTW title over Matt Seidel. That's right, you heard me. Ricky Starks defended the FTW title. A fictionary title against Matt Seidel. So, as far as SmackDown went, again, the only parts I even really liked about SmackDown, uh, the opening with Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and uh, Paul Heyman was fantastic. I liked that they are kind of showing Paul being caught in the middle of both of them. He still loves Roman Reigns, but he, want, he has to be with Brock because Roman fired him. I like it. I like how Roman snuck, sneak attacked Brock, and they're wanting us to want a unification match. Uh, the Usos uh, taking on the New Day was another great match. Uh, no disqualification tag team match. A fantastic way to uh, main event the show, in my opinion. Uh, but again, now that that's done, where do you go from there? What is next for the Usos and uh, um you know, the tag team titles on SmackDown. Um, and then the ending with Seth Rollins coming in, he will now be the challenger for Roman Reigns. 
as great as that may seem to people, in my opinion, that just means SmackDown doesn't have anybody to challenge Roman. And um, it's a little bit of BS that they had to get somebody from Raw to come in and, and challenge Roman Reigns. But I guess that's what you're going to have to do. It'll still be a good match. And uh, I can't wait for the Royal Rumble. And again, if that's the match, then it needs to be Roman and Seth as, as the opener or somewhere in the middle of the show and Brock and Bobby uh, main eventing. So as we had a ton to cover here tonight i do not have a uh what grinds my gears that is going to absolutely do it for us this evening but i want to thank you for joining me as always next week mark brew will be back off of his horseman assignment uh thank you for listening continue to support the we can't wrestle podcast and WrestleNet radio station continue to support nate maxon and uh, maximum gold uh reliving the extreme we Can't Wrestle podcast, um, A Slice of Time, The Year That Was, and I will see you next week on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking.